Hey listener, thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Pixels and Panels, a show where we take you behind the scenes of the comic industry through conversations with your favorite creators and industry leaders. We're delighted to host Purpa as our guest today, the creator of one of our personal favorites, Suter Armor. We talk about her journey in becoming a comic creator, learn about the amazing origin story of Morpheus and Lucia, discuss the meteoric rise of the comic and what that has meant for Purpa, and even get a sneak preview of the future of Suter Armor. Hope you enjoy the listen! Hello, Purpa, and welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for taking a bit of time uh, today. I will get ahead of it and just say I am a huge fan of Suter Armor. I'm completely caught up, so it is very, very fun to, to have you here today. So thanks for taking a bit of time. Thank you. Let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your story and what got you into comics. Uh, well, Suter Armor is about a girl named Lucia who we discover is a fairy um, moving to the castle as she's the lady in waiting to Kiersey who's the future queen and upon arriving there during a tournament she meets Modius who is an animated suit of armor and it sort of just takes off from both of them being things that aren't supposed to be there necessarily and their developing relationship and the conflicts in the kingdom and stuff and as far as getting into comics, um, it was not intentional. I actually um, moved to where I'm at now to try and get into animation as a character designer. And that's what like my schooling and my portfolio and everything was completely catered to. And I just started posting Pseudorama chapters on Webtoon Canvas as a side project because I wasn't hearing back from anyone uh, in the animation studios and it was getting really discouraging so I just started Suter Armor as something fun for me to do to kind of boost my spirits a little bit and um, and then it I got the offer to make it an original and it became a full-time job it happened very quickly. <laughs> I want to dig into that uh, in, a, in a second but I think it's so interesting to hear how what you end up doing is very different from the intention or the beginning of your journey. So you said you wanted to be a, a, a character uh, design artist. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to pursue that? Because it seems like all the work that you did was with that goal in mind, but it, it really helped you on your journey to becoming a comic artist like you are now. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the best piece of advice I got was like, whatever you draw in your free time is what you should probably cater to uh, your career for going into art. And I hate backgrounds and like giant illustrated pieces. Um, I would always just draw and design characters. And I was like, well, I might as well try and make that my, my focus. And um, I actually did some freelance work for Cartoon Network when I was still in school. It was just for one episode of a show called Victor and Valentino. And um, that was my only experience in the animation industry. And I think definitely my, um, my experience with that and it being my main focus helped a lot with um, designing my characters for my comic. Cause I mean, character design is a big thing in, in comics as well. So 
Um, yeah, I think it definitely helped. And it also helped with, uh, because in animation, you have to be very clean and concise and, um, and stuff. It, I think it helped with some of the look of my comic as well. Uh, and also helped me make sure that I didn't go too crazy on the rendering or illustration and help cut down time and production a little bit. That's incredibly interesting. And in terms of inspiration, I think it's really fun to look at an artist's kind of style today and think about, well, what are all the things that they loved growing up that might have started to form this concoction that ends up becoming your art style. So what were the things that you drew, you drew inspiration from as you started creating Suda Armor? Definitely uh, the cartoons that I used to watch as a kid and not even just as a kid, as an adult, I, I primarily watched cartoons and I didn't get into anime and manga until I was in college, just cause I didn't have access to a lot of it when I was younger. So that I watched a lot of, let's see, I was a big Power Rangers fan, uh, Teen Titans, pretty much everything that was on Cartoon Network. And then when I got into anime, there was a lot of like love stories and fantasy stuff and stuff that wasn't cartoons. It was primarily fantasy. So like Lord of the Rings and like Harry Potter for some of my childhood and stuff. So I was always drawn to fantasy type themes and um, anything that I thought just had like a really cute, pretty style. <laughs> so let's dive in and start to talk about suitor armor. So one thing that artists think about is do you start with the world or do you start with the characters? Now, if I had to guess, knowing that you come from a character design background, I would guess that you started with the characters, but would love to hear from you yourself. Yeah, I definitely started with the characters because suitor armor started from a dream that I had one night. And it was about a girl falling in love with a dark knight. That was pretty much the only thing that came from the dream. It was just like a really basic premise. But I woke up in the morning and I drew them um, for fun. And I think it was Tumblr that I posted on at the time. And I was like, oh, these are some characters I had from a dream. Uh, does, does anyone have any name suggestions? Like that, that's actually how I named them was like my followers on Tumblr throwing out a bunch of different options. And it was because of how many reblogs and likes it got. So many people liked these two random characters that I had drawn from this dream. And I was like, oh, people seem to really like these two. Maybe I should make a story that centers around them. So it did start off with just what Lucia and Modius looked like. And how close to final designs were those two initial designs, would you say? Pretty close. I think Modius had the most changes uh, because I actually, I did not enjoy drawing armor at the time. I was like, armor is really hard to draw. So, and then I turned it into my jobs. <laughs> Painful. It was very difficult to draw, but it was just like getting the, the armor to be a little bit more concise and easier to draw. And then Lucia started off as a human in the initial design. So her wings and her ears came later, but she's pretty much exactly the same as the initial drawing. Well, this is the first time, like, usually when we talk to someone about character design, it's like, oh, it took like 50 tries. This is the first time I've heard of like characters being delivered in a dream. So that's a pretty <laughs> cool uh, background. Um, I mean, the next thing about Suter Armor is uh, you talk about some pretty heavy themes and there are a few episodes. I'm not going to spoil it for, for anybody who hasn't given it a chance yet. Um, there, there, you go into some pretty heavy things. So you started with this 
you know, very lighthearted thing about, okay, someone falling in love with the Dark Knight. And the world that you build it around has a lot of things that leave the reader thinking about things after they've stopped the episode. So do you mind sharing a little bit about how you came up with the themes and the premise of what you talk about on this? Yeah. Um, originally on Canvas, because I only got six episodes in before I took it down and moved to originals. It did just kind of start off as a, you know, a romance. And it wasn't until... <laughs> Um, because at the time on Canvas, because it was a side project, I was just making it up as I was going along. And again, it was only six episodes. So when I got the offer to make it an original, I panicked because they were like, we need a full outline of the story. And I was like, I don't have one. <laughs> so I sat down and for like a full day, I just kind of worked on it. And as I was working on it, it, it kind of evolved from just this basic love story to the conflict between humans and fairies. That's when I decided to officially make Lucy as a fairy. Cause I think in canvas, it wasn't revealed at all. Cause I was planning it on being a big reveal later. And when it comes to my stories, I kind of just let it grow organically. Um, if something needs to happen in an episode that I hadn't planned before, but I felt like it made sense for the character. Sometimes the characters dictate my story more than I do. Um, but as the story continued and it discussed a lot of, you know, cause the fairies being persecuted and whatnot, um, I would remember a lot of comments I'd see either on social media or hearing from friends about things that they wish they saw more representation of in their stories, be it, um, sexuality or how people are treated or the emotions behind being treated like that. And I was like, well, I have the perfect opportunity to bring some of those issues and some of those viewpoints to the forefront. Um, and the great thing about, for me, about the fairies is that I can put a lot of different emotions and experiences into it without the fairies representing one particular group. Because um, I'll get a lot of comments of people saying, oh, I'm... I'm this and I feel like I relate to this and someone else who is complete something completely different or had a, a certain life experience can relate to it as well. And um, yeah, it was just my goal to, to bring forth some of the things that I saw people wish got more attention and in the position I'm in, I thought I was uh, at a good point to do that. And when I put this outline to Webtoon, um, they gave it to, I think the head of the American branch and when he read it, um, he got really excited because I guess everyone just assumed it was going to be this romance story. And so when there was all this other stuff that I brought forward, they, they were excited to see that it wasn't just going to be a fantasy romance and that there was other stuff going on. So um, I wish I could say that it was, uh, yes, completely intentional. I had this planned from the beginning stuff, but sometimes you just kind of have to go with your gut and jump right in. Well, one of the powerful things about stories is the lingering emotion and how that gets you to think about things and question things. So as you were writing this, um, what sort of emotions did you want people to feel and what questions did you want them to have? And it's, I think one other fascinating thing that you talked about is it was very informed by the community that, you know, even if it was only six episodes in, um, you know, they had thoughts that of what they wanted to see and uh, yeah, I mean, like, what sort of emotions, I guess, do you want people to feel as they read this comic? Um, I definitely think 
empathy for others is a big one because Lucia as a main character is meets a lot of different people gets to um, learn about them and their motives for why they do things and a lot of the characters in Suitor Armor have to either hide part of themselves or they're judged based on who or what they are and um, my I guess my overall goal is just for readers to maybe see how the fairies or the characters are treated and think on the treatment of people in the real world and how at the end of the day um just looking and understanding that although you might not have had the same experience as them it's not very hard to empathize and to just and just listen um so yeah, I get no it's cheesy, but I like love, I guess, just for everyone despite differences and um and helping others and stuff. Cause that's what I really try to push through Lucia's character is her desire to help others. And did you have a particular audience in mind? Cause like you said, there are different elements in each character that I mean, each person can kind of pick and choose from each character what they want to uh take away and and sort of empathize with but did you have like a target audience in mind when you were creating this nothing super specific I I guess I was aiming towards people my age I'm 26 so people in their 20s and kind of speaking through Lucia as someone a character who's discovering who they are learning that learning things that they didn't know beforehand and I was told based on some analytics from webtoon that uh my story is very popular specifically with men in their thirties, which I wasn't expecting at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I was just aiming towards, uh, when it comes to the topic of target audiences, I don't really aim for anyone in particular. Cause I believe that whoever relates to the story will find it. And that can be anyone of any gender age or background, honestly. What does, you know, an average work week look like for you as you're working on this? Oh, gosh, well, there's a very difference, a big difference between like season two work and season one, because season one, I didn't have any assistance. It was just me by myself. And I worked seven days a week, like 12 hour days. It was honestly hell on earth. Um but I learned self-care and maybe what not to do. <laughs> um, so now I, I dedicate two days a week to make like no work, absolutely none. I, I have to make sure that I give myself two days a week off. But um, I typically work Tuesday through Saturday. I will do uh, suitor armor work, which is primarily either script writing, thumbnailing or sketches. And then I'll hand it off to, I have two assistants who are amazing, um, who will do the inking um, and some of, the, some of the inking and some of the colors. And then they hand it back to me. I put the finishing touches on. So now there's a little bit more of a pipeline because I can um, afford to hire people to help me um, versus doing everything myself. And it was really hard to kind of let go of some of the control. Um, but ultimately, it's better to hand some of the control over to someone else so I can actually get eight hours of sleep and take time off for myself. It's definitely important to take care of oneself. And I guess in that vein, what have you learned as you've gone through this process of 
I mean, six episodes on Canvas, then being vaulted into original. I mean, now there's millions of people that read this. What have you learned in this in this process? A lot because of it being like a from the frying pan into the fire sort yeah. of a thing. Um, I definitely I learned to find what your limit is, like how much work you can get done in a certain amount of time to set those boundaries for myself. Also kind of learning shortcuts for making a webtoon because most webtoon artists that I know use Clip Studio Paint and that has a lot of assets and um, program tools to help cut down time. And it's so important to realize that people will look at a panel for about one second before they move on to the next. It's very fast paced. So I had to stop treating each panel like it was an illustration and realize that people are not going to be hovering over each panel and looking at it in great detail. So yeah, taking my personal health into an account over making everything look insanely detailed and clean and everything. So yeah, coming to that understanding as well as script writing, I've been learning more and more about and just finding ways uh, that the the whole term like work smarter not harder and applying that hardcore just because it's a very intensive field and um, if you're not careful you can really kind of hurt yourself by um, working so long and hard and putting just too much energy in essentially And what's it been like for you to develop that script writing muscle? I'm guessing you obviously did some of it when you think about character design, because it's just not characters in isolation. But to go from that to developing something for an originals team that has a very sharp eye for story, what has it been like for you to evolve and improve on the script writing side? Well, definitely my, my script started off just like in Word documents and they weren't formatted very well. It was just like the bare bones because, you know, I knew what it was going to look like in my head. It was mostly just listed dialogue and I don't hand the scripts over to Webtoon. I actually hand over a finished episode. So the script writing process, I really have to self-manage myself and um, definitely I've got a couple of books on my bookshelf that talk about writing and stuff and also figuring out because let's see for my agreement I have to have a minimum of 50 panels per episode and that usually translates to three pages of script Um, and I have to make sure I don't go over that because then I'm giving myself a lot of extra work Um, so it's it's a lot of figuring out how you work and then applying that to a schedule because some people might write scripts a lot quicker than I do, or they're a lot more confident. Um, But I actually got another writing opportunity because of Studio Armor where I'm writing scripts as well. So it's, uh, I've been making them look more professional for the sake of trying to be more professional. Um, So I've been applying that to Studio Armor as well and making it, they sort of just, they look like now official scripts for like if you were to hand it to someone in TV or something like that. So trying to, to step outside just the dialogue and actually researching how to write scripts more professionally was a huge help for me. And in terms of working with the Webtoon team themselves, it seems like season one, it was a lot more of you working and figuring out things on your own. And season two, now you have assistants helping. But 
what has that process been like in terms of the support that they've been able to give you? Uh, for Webtoon, I do have an editor who I will send finished episodes to. And in all honesty, I haven't had to make a lot of changes. Um, there was some stuff for when I was handing them the outline for seasons. They just had a couple of notes. But the thing I really love about Webtoon that makes me never want to go back into looking at animation is that I have an insane amount of control over my own story. Um, the only thing that they'll typically have notes on is I'm a horrendous speller. I will misspell my text. And unfortunately there is no spelling correction in Clip Studio. And because the app is in the Google store, um, any excessive gore, sexual content and stuff, they do have to be careful about because they have those terms. Um, I've never, I don't think, um, push the boundaries of that other than like having to put some disclaimers just in case. Um, but yeah, it's been a pretty, uh, hands off in, in a good way. Cause I, again, I have a lot of control over my own stuff. And what's been your favorite thing that Webtoon has provided you through this experience? Marketing, <laughs> advertising. Uh, there's, I'll get trailers for Studer Armor on YouTube or Pinterest when I'm just going about my day. And I definitely wouldn't be able to market myself as well as they do because they have the resources to do that. So definitely advertising my work for me has been a huge asset and help. So you go as you start as someone that had a dream about a comic and you go from that to now when you go on the webtoon site i'm pseudo armor is one of the top featured stories just for you as a as a creator what was that like for you emotionally to go from you know this dream that you had to being one of the largest webtoons imposter syndrome is very strong <laughs> it it's hard to register sometimes just because it is a digital thing. And when I turn off my phone, my work disappears and I'll go about my day and I, it's hard to process. And sometimes it feels like it's not real. Definitely. When I got my first like paycheck from Webtoon getting paid to make this, um, I felt, I felt like I was stealing money or something. It felt, <laughs> it felt like I was robbing them or something. It was so surreal. Um, I was so incredibly happy to have this opportunity though, because um, we were in a living situation that was less than desirable. And uh, when I got this job, we were able to move into our own place like right before COVID hit. Uh, so it was divine timing, but I, I guess more than anything, I'm just so happy that I was able to find an audience that enjoys what I'm trying to do. And speaking of that audience, you invest so much time, energy, and care into developing the story, developing this world, and that in itself is so difficult. But you take time outside of that to uh, build a Patreon community, you have a Discord. So do you mind walking us through how you thought about those kind of connections that you developed with folks outside of Webtoon as well? Yeah, um, I was mostly creating a community around Suter Armor less than me interacting just because I do value my privacy. And, um, but I think it's important to, if they would like to see more that I give them that option. Although I do make it clear to people who join like the Patreon or my discord that I don't necessarily have 
the time to produce a lot of side content because of work and they're all extremely understanding and they just want to be there to enjoy and talk about it with each other and i think the largest or the place where i interact with people the most is twitch because i'll do art streams sometimes just on my downtime and people ask me questions there and that's usually where i do most of my interaction with people but i think if you know they're passionate about what you're making it's always fun and a good idea to to interact and because obviously they like the same things you do if they enjoy the content that you're making. So, um, but at the same time, I think it's also important to um, to make sure that boundaries are are there <laughs> between you and your audience. Um, I have a policy of uh, never replying to comments on episodes, even if they're super sweet and stuff. It's just because um, once I start, I feel like I wouldn't be able to stop, and I just don't have the time or energy to dedicate to conversations in the comment section, which can get choppy. So I love the the self-discipline and self-discipline because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you really want to. So how do you think about serving these fans that are uh, coming to you outside of Webtoon, whether it's Twitch, Patreon, or Discord? Are you sort of just, hey, I'm obviously putting everything I have into the comic. If I have time to do other things, I'm happy to like hang out with my readers there. Or do you, do you have another approach to it? When it comes to Patreon, I'll usually post some, some, they, I, I asked my Patreons like what they would like to see more of if I do have the time to post. And um, they asked for like just concepts or doodles. Like they wanted to see just, um, I think some messier sketches to like, kind of maybe get an idea of what my process looks like. And I'm the same way. I love seeing how people get from point A to point B with their artwork. And um and when it comes to streaming with the community and stuff, I enjoy expanding on the universe in some ways. Like I, I've had so much fun with people creating their own fairies to exist in the universe and seeing their designs has been incredible. And I always encourage that because this universe is, um, I've laid the groundwork for some of the lore, but I don't go into crazy specifics because I think it's always fun for people to come up with their own headcanons or ideas, or if they want to expand it in their own, you know, fan works and stuff. I highly encourage that because it's so much fun. Well, we do have some questions from the users. We are going to get to that in a second, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the future of the comic industry. So what do you think the future holds? I think definitely the honestly webtoons and digital format is probably going to be the big thing for comics. Um, I mean, I still have like physical copies. It's really nice to actually own physical copies, but I think the episodic fashion that webtoons and other digital comic formats has allows for people to, you're able to build a community so much easier because you're able to draw the story out over time, but it's getting consistent updates. Um, it's taking on the life of sort of a television series where again, you're over time, you build up a following. People are able to talk about it weekly instead of just one installment coming out. And then you wait for like six months for the next one. So I definitely think that this episodic digital format is the future of comics. And I'm honestly really excited to see, um, cause I know that Webtoon has made a deal with like uh, Wattpad and Crunchyroll for adaptations. And, you know, while we always love to see original work come out of Hollywood as rare as it may be, I think taking 
adaptations from comics is becoming more of a thing. And I'm honestly all for it. I mean, outside of like DC and Marvel and stuff, but because uh, you have a lot of smaller creators with maybe some more uh, unique and, and different ideas coming forth. So I, I think the future of digital comics is very bright. <laughs> Do you want uh, Suitor Armor to be a Netflix series or a show or a movie? Oh, oh my God. That would be, <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, I've been asked this a few times and I, I honestly think like if, if it were to be ad- ad- adapted, my goodness, I would love to see it in like a TV episodic format because mm. it's meant to be told in an episodic format and everyone's like, oh, it'd be so cool to see it animated. But honestly, I would love to see what it would look like in live action. <laughs> Just because you know what it looks like as a cartoon, because it's a cartoon. Um, Either way, I think it would be really amazing. And is there anything that you want to see more of in the industry? It could be things that publishers provide. It could be things to support more independent artists. Are there things that you want to see more of as a creator? Definitely. I I wish people would jump into making their comics um, because, because formats like this allow people to to create their own comics. There's so many unique story ideas that have yet to come to pass, but people will put it off because they're like, oh, I need all these character references and I need to make it all ready. And I'm like, no, just do it. So I hope people jump into making their comics with these resources available as for what like, and I know some of this stuff is in the um, works, but I think creators on these apps deserve a little bit more power when it comes to moderating their comment section, the ability to delete and ban people from commenting because ultimately it is their work. And I don't think they would go crazy with that power, but you know, there is a mental health aspect when you have a bunch of comments under your work and some of them can get really nasty and mean and you know, people on YouTube have the ability to do that. So I under, I, I do hope that creators in the future are given a little bit more power to put their foot down on things that they don't want to see in their comment section for the sake of other people reading the comment section and for their own mental stability. <laughs> what do you as Purpa, the creator, want to do with your future? How do you envision what you do in the future? I would love, I have so many other stories I would love to do for Webtoon or just in episode format, uh, comic format. I would love to do that more, but I've also had some opportunities to do some writing for other projects, which I wasn't expecting. It's under NDA. So sadly, I believe me, the second the, the, the legal veil is lifted, I'm going to gush about what I've been able to work on. Um, but I've had a lot of opportunities for writing come my way, which as an artist, when my art was always the thing, getting the attention, the fact that I'm having people approach me about my writing it in a way, it's an even bigger compliment than people liking my art. Um, so I, I would love to maybe break into some more writing opportunities for projects, be it comics or, or should the stars align like TV or something like that. Um, but I know for a fact that I just still want to tell stories and most of them are, are fantasy because frankly, we are fantasy starved right now. I love superheroes and stuff, but my God, like <laughs> I miss the day of Lord of the Rings when it ruled the cinema world. Like I'm, I'm starved for more fantasy content. Well, the future looks incredibly r- bright and we're going to be rooting for you every step of the way. Thank you. Uh, 
I want to get into a few user questions. So we put out a post on Instagram. Thank you so much for resharing that as well. Yeah. And we picked a few questions. Um, the first few are spoiler free. And in the end, we may talk about spoilers. So I'll give a little disclaimer there. But the first one is from MyCarb2005. Who is your favorite character in Suitor Armor? Oh, no. That's <laughs> oh. Okay. Before I answer preface, I love all of my characters minus Rickon, but I think favorite in terms of like the most interesting to write. <sighs> oh my God. I can't list off everyone. I got to pick. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Modius just because with the other characters, you have the experience to write characters like that in any opportunity, but Modius literally just barely gained consciousness. So his experiences and his reactions are all very unique to him. And it's been great to get to know him as a writer because sometimes, you know, he, like I said, my characters kind of take control and I used to hate drawing armor, but this boy is such a sweet <laughs> bean. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to say Modius. I love them all though. <laughs> no, it's a very fair one. Uh, the next one is from tiny grass 84. How long do you think the series will be and how much do you have planned out? Um, I have the entire thing planned, although I don't think I'm going to mention how many seasons just because I don't want people to like. I like that. Like, no. know know the spacing out of events, <laughs> but I do have the entire thing planned. No, some, sometimes the best journeys, I mean, you don't know when they're going to end. So yep. I am a huge fan <laughs> of that answer. The next is from Cyan Iguana 88295. What has been the most difficult part about making suit armor? Other than like technical aspects, um, I think writing Rickon is probably the worst part and the hardest part because sometimes, you know, people love villains. I love villains. I love writing villains. They're so much fun. Rickon, however, is like the human embodiment of everything I hate. And so writing him or giving him screen time just infuriates me. And it's not a joyful process because you know, with other villains, you're like, oh, he's charming and suave. And I kind of understand his motivations, but Rickon is just awful. <laughs> like he's just God awful. So writing a villain that I don't enjoy, like I do others is very difficult, but he's a necessarily necessary evil for the story. But yeah, screw that guy. <laughs> I don't know why, but it makes me feel better that it's as painful for you to draw and introduce him into panels as it is, as it is for me to like see him in a scene and be like, oh my God, something terrible is going to happen. This guy. <laughs> and then ending on a little bit of a positive note before we get into spoilers, this is from Wormy Strings. What's your favorite part of working on Suitor Armor? The costumes. I love costume design so much. And anytime like when, uh, when there was the ball uh, which happened at the end of season one, I was like, I get to design ball gowns and all these outfits everyone gets to wear. So anytime I get to design like a notable costume change, I have so much fun. So now we, we're going to talk a little bit about spoilers. So right now, Kiersey as a character is in an interesting place with Lucia. What do you have envisioned for her? And I'm guessing you don't want to spoil too much, but how do you think about what's next for her? There's so many mixed feelings people have about Kiersia, which is completely understandable. <laughs> there is a lot planned for her in the future. And that's, that's all I will say is that, you know, we have the notable royal wedding coming up and that's going to be a, a pretty big turning point for her as a character as well. Some other things that I have planned out. So yeah, 
while while writing Rickon is like pulling teeth, writing Kiersey is a pretty emotional experience, I will say. Yeah, I mean, she's she has some choices to make, and everyone is so excited to see what <laughs> what comes comes from it. Uh, and apologies, that was from I am literally just Francine, and this last one is from Addie the Baddie Eight. Will Lucia ever find out more about her family, her siblings, her parents, and just a bit more about the fairy world? Oh yeah, she has a lot to learn. Um, yeah, writing a character who's who comes from a sheltered background and is just barely being introduced to a world that she's uh, that she's from. Uh, yeah, her her experience of discovering things and the reader's experience of discovering things are going to go very much hand in hand. And before we move to our rapid fire questions, uh, a little bit of advice that you would give to up and coming creators. So what would you tell someone that's a freshman majoring in illustration about just thinking about their career or about becoming a comic uh, creator? Okay, I've got three main pieces of advice. One, just start your project. Don't get caught up on the details because it will change as you go along anyway. Like the first episode of Suitor Armor and the most recent one look very different and there's nothing I can do about it. And that would have happened regardless. So just, just get started on it too. If you think your idea or your story is too niche, I guarantee that you're going to find an audience. Like mine found an audience and it's the weirdest freaking premise <laughs> that I could come up with. Um, so there's an audience for everything. Um, and that's just important to keep in mind. And two, if you were an art student in college, your professors who are older usually um, are going to give you advice and criticisms that you can take, but also keep in mind that they are coming from it from a very different perspective and don't have the same understanding of the fact that you can find an audience for anything if they tell you that this style doesn't work or this story doesn't work or something like that. Um, while I think it's important to take those criticisms and think about them, the teacher's not always right. <laughs> and especially if they're coming from a completely different background and career path. And now are you ready to move on to our rapid fire round? Yes, okay. <laughs> so which fictional character best describes your personality and why? Uh, Tsukimi from Princess Jellyfish, which is um, an anime. Uh, she is a bundle of anxiety, has a very hard time uh, being open about the things that she loves, and uh, which, is, which are things I'm working through. Um, but she's very passionate, but kind of scatterbrained as well. So I, I love her very much. <laughs> What three webtoons would you take on a desert island and why? Uh, Blades of Furry, because the art and everything is wonderful and it's so funny. Um, Lore Olympus, just because the art style is gorgeous and I never get tired of rereading it. And um, Brimstone and Roses, which is just like a rom-com that deals with like mental health. And I am friends with the creator of it and they're so talented and I just... I've, I've been reading that since like the beginning. <laughs> so if you could pick any, which manga or webtoon character would you want to have dinner with and why? Uh, um, probably Hades from Lore Olympus because I always loved Hades in mythology and every adaptation um, that I've ever seen him in. Like I always love 
the version of Hades, no matter like how different they are. I just, I love him as a character. And what's your favorite scene from any webtoon that pops into your head? Probably in Blades of Furry, where the characters have yet to confess their feelings to each other. And they sort of do it silently when one of them is doing a skating performance and it's just through their motions and the expressions that they're sending each other when one of them is watching the other perform. Um, that is like, and then it's, I don't want to spoil it, but it's like, it's this big romantic thing and it makes my heart go doki doki. And it's like, so, it's so sweet. And then finally, if you could have dinner with any creator, who would it be? My, my friend Spearmint from Brimstone and Roses. <laughs> <laughs> just because I I adore them they're absolutely feral and um yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well Purpa thank you so much for taking some time it's been a ton of fun to pick your brain and understand a little bit more about your journey and listener please check out Suda Armor on Webtoon and check out Purpa's Patreon and Discord as well thank you so much for the time thank you thank you for joining us today if you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.